Cyril Ramaphosa, The Path to Presidential Power, by Anthony Butler. For Anne. Preface to the Third Edition. I first considered writing about Ramaphosa more than two decades ago. My interest was less in the man himself than in the National Union of Mine Workers, or NUM, which he had helped to create. Ramaphosa was not an easy subject for a biographer. He had written little. His speeches were rarely memorable. He was personally reticent and gave few interviews. When he did talk, he was invariably unrevealing about his beliefs and opinions. As one perceptive profiler of Ramaphosa observed, the interviewer is confronted with that smile that wraps itself around his face, that conspirational baritone chuckle, and the constant engagement, masking profound reserve. Ramaphosa's attitude towards prospective biographers did not help. When I returned to the idea of writing the book 13 or 14 years ago, I went to visit him at his Santon offices to ask if he would consider assisting me. He professed to be gratified by my interest, but claimed to be far too busy to help. If only I could wait five years, he sighed, the burden of work on his shoulders would be less of an obstacle. He would be an older subject, the story of his life less complete. By then he would be only too happy to assist. I'd been told that Ramaphosa had made similar promises to previous aspirant biographers, and I indicated that I was not persuaded by them. Without a pause, Ramaphosa changed tack. He frowned with concern and told me that writing political biography is a perilous occupation. Immediately I felt alarmed. What were these hidden dangers? With worried eyes he began to relate the cautionary tale of a South African writer of his acquaintance. The young author, hurrying to arrive punctually for an interview with an extremely high-ranking ANC leader, did not have time to visit the toilet. A few minutes into the interview he realized that he desperately needed to relieve himself. But his subject, most probably then ANC President Thabo Mbeki, had embarked on a seemingly endless narrative about his bureaucratic exploits in Lusaka in the 1980s. For many hours, despite a bursting bladder, the biographer was afraid to ask to leave the room. Suddenly Ramaphosa was grinning, but just as quickly the smile disappeared, and he was touching my sleeve conspiratorially. I'm an enigma, you know. He had read this description in a profile, and he definitely liked it. You can't write much about an enigma, he observed, unless it lets you into its secrets. He made it clear I would get nothing from him. No introductions, no personal papers, no documents, no access to police files. Changing direction once again, he floated the idea that he'd always wanted to write an autobiography. Now I was going to ruin it all. He adopted a sorrowful expression to indicate that he was invoking my pity. At this point, he raised an eyebrow and asked what would happen if he refused to cooperate. Would I write the book anyway? A faintly sardonic expression lingered on his face. If I answered no, he could safely refuse to assist me and send me packing. Since I would be silly to answer no in such circumstances, his faint smile conveyed that I must not take offense at his question. I'm just asking in case you're not very bright, his expression seemed to imply. As one of Cyril's political associates observes, he is an actor who becomes the part he is playing, but he has always a smirk in the corner of his face, as if to say, I know I'm playing a role, and I want you to know it too. 
When I later secured research leave from my university to write the first edition of this book, I contacted Ramaphosa again in the hope that he might have changed his mind about assisting me. This time, in a Cape Town hotel, Ramaphosa was not so friendly. The temperature in the bar suddenly dropped to a cold chill. Looking up, I noticed with some disquiet that Ramaphosa's face loomed very large. His hitherto friendly eyes were now hostile. Why, he asked me, why do you have so little respect for me? Why are you doing this to me? Eyes now blazing, he continued, Why are you letting me down? I will sue you. Yes, I will have your house. Quickly, stumbling for words, I told him I did not own a house. Suddenly he looked deflated. For reasons I could not fathom, I felt ashamed of my behavior. How could I treat him so unkindly? But then he returned to charming equilibrium once again, smiling cheerfully. Instantly my spirits were raised. Why? Then, as he got up to go, he cuttingly commented that I had every right to write the book. It is your right. It is your right that we have fought for, so that you could exercise it. In retrospect, I'm sure Ramaphosa experienced none of the emotions that his words and expressions led me to attribute to him. I was later to learn that he could induce emotions, happiness or sadness, relief or fear, guilt or shame, almost at will, like an experienced animal trainer assessing the temperament of a dog or a horse presented to him for the first time. He scolded me one minute and patted me on the head the next, primarily in order to observe my reactions. I was lucky he didn't give me a lump of sugar. When I next came across Ramaphosa at a Johannesburg workshop on black economic empowerment, he was back to his habitual and impenetrable charm. He wished me well with my writing and complimented me on my presentation at the workshop, but he remained implacable in his unwillingness to help me. One journalist has described Ramaphosa's almost awe-inspiring sense of self-confidence, the fact that his game-playing doesn't come from a place of weakness or insecurity. Yet any subject of a political biography in South Africa must feel some degree of vulnerability. Post-apartheid political biography is mostly presented a succession of saints. Nelson Mandela, Oliver Tambo, Walter Sisulu, great and tough-minded political leaders have been rendered as cuddly as teddy bears. Even a biographer writing in this sympathetic tradition has little to offer an ANC leader. Indeed, a favorable biography might be regarded as touting for office in a manner contrary to ANC convention. The most incompetent biographer, moreover, can stumble across a skeleton in a closet. Even a competent one can serve as the unknowing instrument of professional character assassins. A nervous politician always has the power to shut up shop. Given that a book of this kind relies heavily on personal recollection, the subject can quietly ask friends and acquaintances, to refuse requests for interviews. Some hesitant interviewees, and more often their personal assistants, confessed to me that they were waiting for assent from Ramaphosa's office to my request for a meeting. In the end, however, almost all of those I contacted were open to conversation. Insofar as I was able to ascertain, Ramaphosa told those who asked him that it was entirely a matter for them to decide whether or not they wanted to talk to me. I have persuaded almost all of my interviewees to allow me to identify them as my sources, in part because of the...